0: all right um i am going to do several things today including introduce a new sermon series and lay out a vision for our church the next five years um to the best of our ability to see and pray uh, we have a lot of thoughts a lot of prayers not as many plans which is why it's not plan sunday right it's some of you like the plan It's the vision. It's where can God go? What can he do through us? And we're dreaming big. And so I want to lay all that out. And it begins, of course, with God's Word, because one of our pillars is God's Word. Our pillar is preaching God's Word, proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology. God's Word drives everything that we do. We will never move past that. We will always move through that. So the first step on this Vision Sunday is to start um, a brand new sermon series. Then we'll talk about missions. We'll talk about some of our distinctives and uh, we also have Mike and Terry Kioski here and this is our chance this morning to say a tearful and yet joyful goodbye to them as they live about an hour away from the church now and they're going to find a church closer to home. Uh, And so we'll bring them up a little later as well. There's a lot going on. Please open your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes and good luck finding it. (laughs) If you learned your books of the Bible growing up, Maybe you have a better chance, but it's not every morning that uh, you're told to turn to this book. So go ahead and find it. I'll give you a second. And as you're turning there, um, also we put notes in the bulletin. So you can um, take notes in the bulletin uh, if you would like to follow along. You could be a better listener there. And so the new series is called Solomon's Search for Meaning. I want it all to make sense. I want it all to make sense, and I'll unpack where that theme is is coming from. As you turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, you might be like, I can't even say it, let alone find it. Uh, The first time I ever read this book is when I was a new baby Christian in college, and I didn't have a, you know, the pastor lived 40 minutes away, so I just opened the book and started reading it, and I came upon this book, and I read it for the first time, and it blew me away. I didn't have a study Bible or anything. I called up my friend, who was a new Christian, too, and I said, hey, have you read the book Ecclesiastica ecclesiastes I couldn't even say it, but it touched my heart, and it's a very special book in the Bible. The, the name Ecclesiastes comes from the Latin Vulgate translation of the Bible, the of course that was added later the name of the book was added later and the word comes from the first verse where the speaker identifies himself as the preacher or the speaker that word the preacher the speaker becomes ecclesiastes it's a latin word uh, it means the one who's addressing the community uh, and so you just learned a latin word how about that you can go to work tomorrow and be like how many latin words did you learn over the weekend none <laughs> and then tell them what you're learning in church Uh, The first thing I want you to write down is this, number one, meet Solomon. We're going to meet the traditional author of the book of Ecclesiastes, and in um, Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1, it says this, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. The speaker identifies himself as the son of David, a king, and throughout the book, the description of this writer, this speaker, best matches the identity of Solomon, So we want to meet the traditional author of this book. And when it comes to Solomon, what a fascinating person. Jot this down. His family had a legacy and a liability. His family had a legacy and a liability. So who was Solomon's dad? Call it out. David, the giant killer. Who's your dad? Ted? Ted? My dad's David, the one who killed Goliath? Yes. His dad is famous. His dad, God revealed to him, would be one of the most famous men in all the earth. God told him that. What's it like to have the Goliath killer as your father? Here's the thing Solomon's mom was Bathsheba. Well, if you know that story, David, because he was bored was in the palace when he was supposed to be on the battlefield, and he looked down and saw Bathsheba, called her to the palace, had an affair, she got pregnant, David arranged for her husband to be murdered. Ah! Then David got caught. God said, I'm not going to kill you, but there are consequences, so that first child died. Well, they went on to marry and have another child, and it was Solomon. Talk about a complicated royal family. He'd for sure get a reality show if he lived today. Am I right? His family had a legacy and a liability. Here's a picture of a royal family today and all of the drama that goes along with being part of a royal family. That's Solomon's life. He was a prince. And there, if you know David's story, I mean, there's, his kids were killing each other. Absalom started a civil war. I mean, it was crazy. And so then David handed the keys to Solomon and Solomon became king wow jot this down he had miraculous encounters with god he had miraculous encounters with god uh, you can stay in ecclesiastes and if you're feeling um, confident and adventurous you can turn to first kings chapter three and in first kings chapter three verse three we have um, the first time that god revealed himself to solomon god would reveal himself to solomon a few times this was a great honor Uh, the person was meant to take it very seriously when God appeared to somebody. And in 1 Kings 3.3, it says this, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give you. Imagine if this happened to you. God appeared to you in a dream and said, name it. What do you want? Anything? Anything. What would you ask for? Anything? Anything. God did this to another king and he's like, oh, I don't want anything. And God was mad at him. Look, I didn't appear to you and show up for you to just say nothing Solomon said you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David my father because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day Solomon's off to a good start he's giving God credit for everything Solomon has now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. He's in his early 20s, maybe. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people?" And I give you also what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. This 20-year-old king was just promised everything in the world. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream Then he came to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and made a feast for all of his servants. God promised to make Solomon the wisest and the richest man in his world. Can you even imagine, if you woke up from that dream, what would happen next? The theme and the, the look and the feel of this series comes from that thought. What would would this person be like if God appeared to a 22-year-old young man today and said, you're going to have it all. You're going to have more money than anyone else. What? Even Warren Buffett? More money. More money than anyone and more wisdom. Everyone's going to ask you for your wisdom. You go to any university and teach and they'll listen to you. What would that person look like? And I kind of imagine him as being this like, bono like superstar who's on the cover of time magazine all the time all the companies want him to come and speak look at his fortune i mean he is he is what's happening and he knows it i want it all and this book in ecclesiastes as we turn back there reveals that in his heart he truly did have a desire he wasn't like oh no 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 I'm fine with just a few fortune cookies for breakfast I mean he wanted it all he really did and he went after it so Solomon had miraculous encounters with God and he he went on to get involved in gold mining and building amazing projects in entire cities and people would come from foreign lands to hear his wisdom it was amazing Ecclesiastes sounds like something he would write in the later days of his life after he's reflected on all of that and there were things that didn't go well God included a warning if you honor me I'll lengthen your days and Solomon was a divided man if God if David was a man after God's own heart Solomon started with God's own heart but really became a man after Solomon's own heart that's what happened God, one writer said, was like Solomon's base camp, but he was an explorer, and he would constantly leave, and then come back, and then leave, and then come back. This book is really amazing because it takes us on his journey. Jot this down, he wrote about 950 BC, he wrote about 950 BC, so we are going way back. When it comes to the authorship of this book, The early church fathers and the rabbis alike assumed that Solomon was the author because at surface level reading of the text he's the best one to fit the description. The book doesn't say directly though because the author refers to himself in the third person and there are many indicators in the book that lead us to believe that the book was either uh, revised and expanded or maybe even written later than Solomon's day. So Uh, some really good awesome scholars believe that Solomon didn't write this book they would say that it was written in the essence of Solomon uh, by someone in like the post-exilic time using a Solomon-like personality to uh, take us on this journey okay Uh, but the most traditional view is that Solomon wrote it and I believe Solomon wrote it uh, and it would not be a problem if there was a later version that was revised and updated with some of the more common language, and if even an editor included a, some sort of an introduction and conclusion, that's really not outside of the canon. There are other books in the Bible that are a compilation of books that have been written previously. Some books revise others like Kings and Chronicles and uh, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. You know, so works develop over time, and that's not a problem in the canon whatsoever. It seems like um, Solomon wrote it, Even if he didn't, the person who wrote it wanted it to sound like Solomon. It's it's the embodiment of him. So we will assume that Solomon wrote it. So he wrote about 950 BC. That is Solomon. Now, number two, jot this down. What was he seeking? What was he seeking? And we'll dig into a few verses here. He's on a search. And in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2, it says this. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Your translation might say meaningless. It's worthless. All is worthless. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Generation goes, a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Skip down to verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. Jot this down. He's looking for the meaning of life, and he feels like there isn't one. pointless. The word for vanity means breath, vapor, uh, one spray of the spray bottle. That's it, and it's over. He's struggling with the brevity of life. He's struggling with how transient and seemingly empty it is and how hollow he feels. He's seeking the meaning of life. Ecclesiastes is a book like no other in the Bible because it records not answer, 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 but a series of questions and pursuits that are often contradictory, that don't even seem biblical to be saying these things. And through his search, we go on this labyrinth of effort where he finds one dead end after another. There's frustration, yet he encounters much beauty and pleasure on the way and continues to keep the Creator as his base. He's looking for the meaning of life. Jot this down, he's also looking for wisdom and understanding to live well. For wisdom and understanding to live well. It says in verse 13, I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. So he never just said, you know what, forget it. I'm, I'm only now, you know, going to live it up and live for my, he never says that. He's, he's doing these things to actually figure out the point of it all. So Solomon also wrote proverbs and throughout his life he wrote thousands of proverbs and songs so he knew even in his search that wisdom was better than folly he knew that the wise will will learn more and enjoy more and so even in his search where he was casting about he would follow the wise path and so he was searching wisdom and understanding to live well a couple chapters in ecclesiastes sound like they belong in proverbs he's finding these nuggets these jewels along the way and then jot this down he's looking for a lasting source of joy and hope a lasting source of joy and hope check out chapter 2 verse 10 in chapter 2 verse 10 he says this and whatever my eyes desired i did not keep from them i kept my heart from no pleasure he wanted it he had it i want it i got it i need it it's mine for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered that my hands had done uh, <clears throat> and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. <clears throat> he's looking for a lasting source of joy, he's looking for a lasting source of, of hope and he's struggling to find it. So he was seeking the meaning of life, wisdom and understanding to live well, and a lasting source of joy and hope. In other words, the things that everyone's looking for. Everyone's looking for these things. The Bible includes a person who is following the map, and we get his GPS on the way. Not there, not there, not there, not there. Where is it? And many people are feeling the way Solomon is. Why can't I find the purpose of this life? How come I keep making the wrong choice? How do I know God's will and what comes after this life? That's the big one. What happens next? Jot this down. Number three, how will his search help me? How how will his search help me? What will come of this book for my life and for my faith? Well, Solomon records an honest record of life's frustrations. The Bible is very aware of the problems and the questions we have. And he talks about how life doesn't seem to be happening the way it should be happening. A lot of what he records is why. Why is it this way? But the search is always under the sun. And what that means is he has a very ground-level, earth-based, uh, horizontal perspective he's walking around earth under the sun under the curse of adam life as it is and he's wondering how it should be and he's lamenting an empty earthly life he does fit the description of a double-minded man this is not necessarily a pure-hearted explorer people in the bible have gone through hard times and empty times and they've looked to the lord Solomon frequently crossed over into transgression in his search. He was double-minded. He gained the whole world and he was on the brink of forfeiting his soul because his search was in earthly indulgences. Can this world fill me? And while God was there as his default starting point, he often wandered off. And so I think this book will resonate with all of us, but it will uniquely resonate with people who started with God in life. You had a religious upbringing. You and God were, you did classes, you went to programs, and you walked away. You walked away. And you've learned the hard way that there's nothing out there for you that lasts. There's nothing out there. And the weariness and the emptiness and the pain of this life has driven you to ask the very same questions. There are also people who are double-minded. You're all in on church, and you're all in on worldliness. (laughs) Sure, you'll read your Bible and then you'll go clubbing and come home four in the morning plastered, and you want it both ways. And Solomon wanted it both ways. He wanted to live it up in the world and still maintain a relationship with God, and it wasn't working the way he thought it would. It wasn't working. And maybe you're feeling like it's not working. It's not working what I'm doing. I can't go and live it up in the world and do whatever I want with no limits and then show up and open my Bible and feel like God's happy with me. It's not working. And a lot of what Solomon was doing was not working. Maybe that's what you feel like. And maybe you're a seasoned veteran in the faith, and the longer you walk with the Lord, sometimes the harder it is to stay fresh, to you start to feel the weariness of life as you look forward to your home going. Uh, Whatever it is, jot this down, your questions and your doubts matter to God. Your questions and your doubts matter to God. That's why this is in here. We believe this isn't just Solomon groaning. We believe the Spirit inspired this book, which means it was the Spirit driving these groans through him to us. There's much of the heart of God. When God looks upon what's going on in the world, he groans. He groans. Jesus said, how, how long do I have to be with you? How, how much longer? There's a groaning in the heart of God that prompts the searching for something better than this life. So your questions and doubts matter to God. Phil Rikens said this, Ecclesiastes is written for those who have their doubts about God but can't stop thinking about Him. Is that you? They have their doubts about God. Why did I go through that? How could God let that happen? But They can't stop thinking about Him. It's a very God-centered search. That's my story. That's why this book resonated with me. Jot this down. We will learn that life often doesn't make sense. This, this, his search will help us because this life doesn't often makes sense. Solomon wrestles with the big questions of life, like injustice, pain, inequity, loneliness, faith, and death. What on earth, you might say, is this book doing in the Bible? There were a few times where church councils and the rabbis debated, and people said, this book has no place in the scripture. Why are we asking these doubtful questions? Why are we going... There's things in here that sound unorthodox and insulting, almost like when Job cross-examined God. Well, it was universally accepted, though, as a book in the canon because people realized that this reflects our heart. This reflects our heart. But here's the thing. The doubtful questioning search of Solomon reflects how we feel often. But Solomon was not the best example of where this search should take us. Toward the end of his reign, God rejected him as king because he took many wives and, he, and they led him astray. And so this search, never quite to our knowledge, although the book of Ecclesiastes might be his testimony of repentance, but to our knowledge, he never quite fully ended that search with the heart of his father, David, and became a man after God's own heart who could fill a hymn book with praises because he's concluded that God is good and adds all meaning to life. So while we are to go on this journey and find ourselves on this journey with Solomon, we are not to go to the destination that he arrived at. The New Testament fulfills and completes this journey and this destination. In Psalm 9:10 it says this, those who know your name put their trust in you for you O Lord have not forsaken those who seek you. God promises that you will seek him and find him when you seek him with all your heart. Solomon was double-minded. If you really want to know God and you really want answers to life's hardest problems and you really want to reflect on the things that you've gone through, God will meet you in that and he'll give you what you need. But you really have to be all in. Jot this down and we will learn that Jesus is the ultimate answer to all of our questions. Every book in the Old Testament pointed to Christ and got the world ready for Christ, and this book is no exception. So we will see how the questions that are uh, posed in Ecclesiastes were answered completely in Christ. And so Ecclesiastes asked questions that only Jesus can perfectly answer. And in Matthew twelve forty two, Jesus himself said, something greater than Solomon is here. Is here. Colossians 2, 3 says, reflects what god has given us in christ and it says this christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge solomon got a thimble and it took him to the top jesus came with all of it the entire library of god was in him no wonder solomon failed to explain it all he never could jesus came down all of heaven's wisdom. So this search was supposed to end in Christ. David, his father, knew that a descendant would come to sit on the throne forever, and it wasn't Solomon. Solomon was supposed to see that and figure it out. He was on the scenic road to that conclusion, and many today are on the scenic road to Jesus as well. Jesus is the ultimate answer to all of our questions. So the journey begins... And we will see there is ultimate eternal meaning in this life in Christ. But we will find a lot of painful questioning along the way. I'm really excited about this series. I hope you're excited about it too.